work, uh, but please check out this video as we transition into the sermon. Thank you. It's that inward out where he's going to do a work in you. He did not mean for us to do it alone. He didn't. I've always felt that I've struggled with wanting to share my love of Jesus with others. Holy Spirit, you lead this day, and I'm just here with you. You know, they say God sends people in your life for a reason, and I think this is one of those things where he could really work through somebody in your life. I see myself now as worthy of love, as God's adopted child. I look in the mirror, and I'm so happy. Well, hello, community. It is uh, so good to be with you. I apologize for my immobility. Um, People sometimes ask me, well, what happened? And really, the only answer is I got old, okay? (laughs) So I know a lot of you in this room are younger. Just don't get old, okay? Uh, But it is a joy to be with you here today. Um, If I haven't met you, I've uh, been with community for almost 22 years now. Uh, See, I told you old. Um, But I currently lead the teaching team, and um, I have to tell you, I just love your staff team here. Some of you, I know you know how awesome John is and how wonderful. Some of you might not realize that about a year ago, Um, I asked John to be my apprentice on the teaching team, and so he works alongside with me with with crafting what messages we're going to do and just has a a big impact in that that impacts our whole church. And so I'm telling you why he's not here, because we don't want him to get a big head, okay? (laughs) But but, um, I I just appreciate him so much. And I got to tell you, this is my... Um, I think second time being here um, with Marissa leading worship, and man, you are awesome. You are awesome. I kind of knew Marissa. You grew up at Plainfield, right? Yeah, she she was 16 when she came to Plainfield, and so sometimes sometimes you have in your head still, oh, there's 16-year-old Marissa, but no, man, like, what a powerhouse. And so uh, I'm so thrilled for this location, for who God has brought to, to lead you and to serve alongside of you. And I'm always thrilled to be here. And so as we dive into this um, message today, I want to let you know, if you were to attend a service in a small church called Sancta Maria in Car- Carinthia, Austria, you would find that the pastor has to pause the sermon for a pretty unusual reason. You see, there's a road that goes right through the center of this church. It's a little crazy, right? See, while the pastor preaches the sermon in a building on the east side of the church, the congregants sit in a building on the west side. <laughs> You see, what happened is, as early as 1443, there was a shrine erected at this site um, for travelers to stop and pause and pray as they made their way along an important trade route from Venice all the way to Salzburg. Okay, now in 1754, the roadside shrine was replaced by a chapel, but since there wasn't a lot of room between the actual slope of the hill and the road, they made the chapel open on one side. And the parishioners would just come and they would, they would sit in, 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 or just stand in the street in front of the building and listen to the pastor preach the sermon. Well, one of those pastors started to feel bad, like standing there preaching while everyone's being rained on in the road in front of him. And so he actually had a second building built across the street that was open on one side that had two stories where the people could be seated. So when services take place in this this church, the pastor is in one building and the people are in another. And if a car comes rumbling down that one late road, the pastor has to pause in, in his sermon. 
I mean, can you imagine, like, like cars driving right through the middle of a church, like it's some kind of human version of one of those animal safari parks? You know, the, those kind where you drive in your car and you see all the wildlife and their natural habitat, although this time the wildlife is actually the people in this church. And, and I know this is a stretch, a crazy thought, but imagine with me for a moment what people might observe if they drove through our church. I mean, what would they see? Would they see people who are fully devoted to God? Would they see women and men and boys and girls who, who genuinely love and care for one another? I mean, would they see a community of people who are extending themselves to serve and bless the neighborhood in which they live? Or would they see people who profess belief but still maybe do whatever they want? Would they see people that get caught up in the, the same conflicts and divisions and political polarization that, that seems to be rampant outside the church? Would they see people who are striving for, for power and prestige and, and comfort, the values that our, our culture holds high? I wonder what would stay, stand out. Would they see that we're committed to Jesus, and, and how would they know? Well, as Chris said, today we are in this week three of our series, Are You a Disciple? And during this series, we're challenging one another to the season of, of self-reflection, where each one of us examines our own lives for evidence that we are, in fact, following Jesus. For you see, in the, in the Gospels, Jesus says that there are particular ways of being in this world that, that characterize his followers. If we see these, these ways evident in our lives, then we truly are his disciples. And so during this series, we're digging into four sayings of Jesus, and, and we're opening ourselves up to his, to his leadership and, and to his teaching. And today we're going to look at this passage of scripture, where Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another. You see, Jesus says that we will be known, that we will be recognized as his disciples by our love for one another. This is to be a defining mark of his church. But the word love gets thrown around and applied to, to so many different things, right? I mean, so many things that sometimes we, we lose the depth of its meaning. I mean, sure, I love my mom, but I also love French silk pie and, and the Chicago Cubs and honestly, my couch, <laughs> there are degrees to love, right? So when Jesus commands us to love one another, is he asking me to love you like I love my mom or like I love dessert? Which, by the way, are both pretty high bars of love for me. <laughs> but I do love my mom more than I love French silk pie. Uh, to grasp the kind of love Jesus is talking about here, uh, let's dig into the context around this saying. You see, Jesus makes this statement during his last supper with his disciples, and this is a, a pivotal moment in the lives of the disciples, and it's sandwiched between two other really critical events that I think help us understand the depth of the love that Jesus is calling us to. You see, earlier in the 13th chapter of John, 
Uh, Jesus displays his incredible humility and willingness to serve his disciples by washing their feet. And maybe you've heard this story before, maybe you haven't, but, but Jesus' disciples, they're about to sit down for a meal, but their feet are, are dirty and, and gross from their travels, and there's no one there to wash their feet, which usually was a job reserved for the lowest servant in the household. Now, how many of you think feet are gross today? Okay, yeah, a lot of us, right? And they can be pretty dirty and smelly. But listen, in Jesus' day, feet were a thousand times more gross than ours. I mean, think about it. Like people are walking around in sandals on, on dirt and muddy roads, and they didn't have those little plastic bags yet for people to pick up after their donkeys and camels, right? And so it's just nasty, so, so no doubt that no one would want to sit down around a table with a bunch of guys until their feet were washed. And so what does Jesus do? Well, he puts on an apron, he picks up a basin of water, and he gets down on his knees and he washes each of their nasty, nasty feet. This is Jesus' love in action. It's a love that's humble. It's a love that's more concerned with serving the people around him than his own image or comfort. This was a radical act back then, and I think it would still be a radical act today. This is how Jesus loved his disciples. And not long after the shocking act of servant-hearted love, Jesus gathers around the table with his friends and he says to them, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, we could get a little confused by what Jesus is saying here because the command to love was not a new command. If you've read your Bible at all, you know that all throughout the Old Testament, there are commands to love. And, and even in Jesus' own teaching, before we get to this scene, he, he taught about loving one another. And so what is new here? Well, what's new here is the scope of the command. That's what makes it new. Disciples of Jesus are to love one another, Jesus says, as I have loved you. In other words, the disciples are to love one another to the extent that Jesus demonstrated love to his friends. So everyone, take off your shoes and socks and Chris is going to come by and... <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. But seriously, seriously, this is a, a radical new depth of love. It's a love that, that the world hadn't really seen before. After all, it wasn't just what Jesus did before this saying that demonstrated his love. The newness of this command took on even more significance in what he did right after. You see, after this dinner, Jesus began his slow, painful journey to the cross, a journey that would include these very same disciples betraying and abandoning him. But even though his disciples would falter, Jesus' love would not. It was a journey Jesus was set on taking because it's only through his death that sin and death could be defeated and the relationship between God and humanity could be repaired. This was Jesus' ultimate act of love, an act of radical selflessness and radical sa sacrifice. He did not just 
teach about love. He embodied this perfect, selfless love, a unique and radical love that was even willing to wash feet and die for his brothers and sisters. Can you imagine how these words of Jesus, to love one another as I have loved you, would have hit those disciples after they experienced these just extravagant acts of love? They would know that this wasn't a French silk pie kind of love, wouldn't they? I mean, they would know that. This was a depth of a love expressed through service and sacrifice that they had never experienced before. And it's important for us to notice, too, that in this command, Jesus is specifically talking about how we love one another as his disciples, how we love one another within the church. This kind of love is meant to be a defining characteristic of our relationships with one another. Now, unfortunately today, you don't need me to tell you this, but it's all too common for people to associate Christians with words like division or judgment or hypocrisy. I mean, all you have to do is spend like 10 minutes on the social media site formerly known as Twitter to realize that a lot of Christians have just lost that loving feeling, right? But Jesus' intent for his followers was something very different. We're to be known for this kind of selfless, sacrificial kind of love. And and Jesus says it's that love that will mark us as his disciples, as his followers, not religious rituals, not theological knowledge, not even correct doctrines. It is our love for one another that will reveal to the world that we are his disciples. You see, it's when we, as his followers, imitate the selfless, sacrificial love that the true beauty of Jesus' love is revealed. If you ever have seen or experienced this in the church, you know what I'm talking about. Um, for example, a, a few months ago, at the, end of, um, at the end of September, my elderly 83-year-old mom, who lives in Ohio, fell and broke her hip. Okay, maybe it runs in the family, I don't know. <laughs> she fell and broke her hip, and I, I know most of you, many of you are not in the stage of life yet where you're caring for elderly parents. I know some of you are. Um, but let me just tell you, it's kind of hard on the heart. If you've been there or you are there now, you know that, right? It, it can be hard on the heart. Uh, but as my family has navigated through the season of rehab and recovery with my mom, I, I have been brought to tears several times by the way that I've watched her church community just love her and my dad through this crisis. I mean, I I went to Ohio and worked from there for about a month, and and, and during that time when my mom was in rehab, I mean, her room at the rehab facility was just flooded with cards and flowers and, and, and frequent visitors. Friends from my parents' Bible study, uh, when I was not able to be there, would, would pick up my dad, who doesn't drive any longer, and take him out to lunch and then take him over to sit with my mom for an hour or two. And, and once she actually was released and got home, man, the meal train started. And it's like three and a half months later, and they're still coming. <laughs> I mean, these people, I have witnessed these disciples of Jesus love my parents in selfless, sacrificial ways, and it has filled me with such gratitude for the church. In fact, sometimes I wonder, how do people without this kind of community 
get through life? How do they get through these kind of things? Friends, this is a massive deal because when this unique kind of Jesus love is absent from the church, our witness is compromised and the world can't see Jesus in us. You see, when Jesus calls us to love one another as he has loved us, it's meant to be one of the primary means of our witness to the world. This selfless, sacrificial Jesus kind of love might be our most effective testimony and influence to people who have not yet found their way back to God. Think about it. When the world looks at the church, if what they see are divisions and strife or the absence of love, why would they want to be a part of it? Like, why would they want to move towards the Jesus we profess and and get caught in the crossfire? But when we imitate his love, it is beautifully attractive. Beautifully attractive. And, And love has to be our priority. Jesus says, by this, your selfless, sacrificial love for one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples. This is how we are meant to share Jesus with the world, by loving one another. And yet, loving one another as he loved us isn't easy. I mean, let's face it, I am not always easy to love. (laughs) Like, I know a lot of you don't really know me, but yet you know that's true, right? And here's the other thing, you're not always easy to love. In fact, turn to somebody next to you and tell them, you're not always easy to love. (laughs) I mean, you know it's true, right? I mean, that's just the way that human relationships go. So if we feel overwhelmed by this this high bar of love, remember this, the, the power source for this kind of selfless, sacrificial, supernatural kind of love comes not from us, but from Jesus himself. That is where we receive the power to love one another in this way, from being the recipient of that kind of love from Jesus himself. As Paul says in his letter to the Romans, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In fact, in our, our key passage for today, scholars note that the word translated as, in the, in the phrase, as I have loved you, could also be tra- translated from. From the way that I have loved you, love one another. Out of the depths of my love for you, Jesus says, love one another. What this means is that the more we grow, in our understanding and our experience of the love of Jesus, the more we will be equipped and empowered to love one another. You might think of it this way. I recently learned about mirror neurons, and maybe if you're like a brain science geek, maybe you already knew this, but I didn't. these, these are neurons in our brain that from the time we're infants help us learn by, by watching and then imitating somebody else. 
You see, these, these neurons, they help us answer questions like, like what is being done and why is it happening? And then from that, we learn to, to repeat those same beha- behaviors. See, our very neurological system is designed to help us grow by watching others. And so how do we grow in this love? By watching Jesus by engaging with the scriptures and the stories and the gospels about how he loved people and who he was and, 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 and what he taught and experiencing that love ourselves. And as we do that, we begin to feel what he feels. Our heart begins to be transformed by his Holy Spirit within us and his, his love is poured into us, empowering us to love one another. Open yourself more and more to the love of Jesus and you will find yourself growing in your ability to love that that person next to you who's sometimes hard to love. Friends, we live in a world where power and status and self-preservation often take precedence over love. But Jesus is calling us, his followers, to a different standard. He's calling us to love like he loves. And in our our polarized world that is just filled with conflict, we have the opportunity to bear witness to a different kind of kingdom, a kingdom that operates on different values than, than anything else in this world. It's the kingdom of God. And as we love like Jesus loved, We can love our our world and love one another with the sacrificial, selfless kind of love. I mean, we're all a work in progress, and when it comes to loving one another, it isn't always easy. I mean, there are real barriers. Even as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can still be pulled apart by the the culture wars and the differences of opinion and, and even past hurts. But Jesus still shows us a better way. It's his way. And if we follow him in his way of love, the world will know that we are his disciples. New Testament scholar Gary Burge writes this. He says, Nothing so astonishes a fractured world as a community in which radical, faithful, genuine love is shared among its members. There are many places you can go to find communities of shared interests. There are many places you can go to find people just like yourself who live for sports or music or gardening or politics. But it is the mandate of the church to become a community of love, a circle of Christ followers who invest in one another because Christ has invested in them, who exhibit love not based on the mutuality and attractiveness of its members, but on the model of Christ who washed the feet of everyone, including Judas. One of the best ways that we can love one another is by investing in one another, by by helping one another grow as disciples of Jesus, by, by pointing each other to the example of Jesus, who is our model of love. And it's one of the reasons that, that we have been challenging you all this month to have one of these U plus discipleship conversations. You see, these are opportunities for us as a church community to come alongside one another and, and help one another hear from God so that we can do what he said. 
And you can have one of these conversations with anybody who loves Jesus and loves you. And you can also facilitate one of these conversations for anybody who loves Jesus and who you love. See, it's a simple conversation where, where you'll begin to discover how your life could be impacted for the better as you grow in your connections with God and with others in the church and in the world. And you just start it with a little devotional experience where, where it gives you space and time to hear from God. And then you come together with that other person and just talk about what you feel like God is saying to you, what you're hearing. And it could be that God is calling you to take a next step in your connection with the church. Maybe you've been coming here for a little while, or maybe you're still pretty new, but, but maybe it's time for you to engage in friendships on a deeper level by getting connected in a small group. Marissa just shared with you a number of options that are available. Maybe that's what God will lead you to. Or maybe there's a relationship in the church that's been broken. And it's time for you to take steps towards forgiveness and reconciliation. Or, or perhaps it's time for you to selflessly serve others in the church by joining a ministry team and being one that, that symbolically washes other feet in this room by coming and serving in some way to make these gatherings possible. I have no clue what your next step is. But I am confident that if you give God the space and you pursue what he wants in your life, that God will speak to you and lead you. And then you can hear from him and you can do what he said. I encourage you to take that step. I mean, again, we love our QR codes, but you can also go to our website or our app. And don't let this month slip by without taking this step to have a U-plus discipleship conversation. As I close, I want to take us back to that little church in Austria with the road running through it. And I want you to imagine with me if people drove through our church, if they encountered our community, if they what might happen if they, they saw people loving one another with a Jesus kind of love? They saw people who were praying for one another and caring for one another, who were listening to one another. They saw people who were, who were gathering together around tables and sharing meals together, especially people that maybe didn't look the same or think the same or seem like there was any other reason why they would be doing that. What if they saw people who were selflessly serving others, being generous with their time and their resources and their skills? What if they heard us sharing stories about the difference that God has made in our life and the way we're being transformed by the love of Jesus? That's the sort of church, sort of church that, that God has called us to be. That's how we'll be known as his disciples. So together, we want to live as genuine disciples of Jesus and experiencing the, this, this full and flourishing life he came to bring. So friends, let's commit to coming alongside one another. Let's encourage one another in this journey of discipleship. Let's be people who are not recognized for disagreements or, or judgments, but for our selfless, sacrificial love for one another. Let's be disciples who hear from God and do what he said.